Why don't we read this all together, all right? Then after a while we'll sit down. That'll be good, huh? Okay, let's start with the ninth verse, and why don't we read right through the 14th? Are you ready? All together now. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth not manifest is not. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let's all say, Arise thou that sleepest. Arise thou that sleepest. Let's all say awake. Actually, I guess we should say awake thou that sleepest. Let's all say awake thou that sleepest. Now let's say and arise from the dead. Now how in the world can someone arise from the dead before they get light from God. And this is the point of what I have to minister to you today, that God's way is always backward from our way. Now the scripture says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Let's all say the life is the light. So when you say Christ will give thee light, you're saying he'll make you alive. The scripture says this is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Solomon said the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. All right? Amen. And his life is the fire or the light that burns on top of our melting wax. He must increase and we must decrease, John said. And so the wax melts away and the fire burns up. Hallelujah. And that's the way the word of God and the will of God should be in us. We should be melting down and away while the light goes up and out. We should not be showing the world. The light is what should reach the world. We should just be the wax that holds the cord, that holds the flame. Hallelujah. The vessel that holds the oil. He's the, he's the oil, we're the vessel. He's the oak, we're the ivy. He's the potter, we're the clay. Hallelujah. We're the traveler, he's the way. Everybody say praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But now here, the scripture says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give thee light. Well, how can you get light? How can you get life when you're dead? How can you arise from the dead and then? You say, well, what that must really mean is that 
Christ is going to give you life and you can rise from the dead because he's going to give you life. No, it says you arise from the dead and Christ will give thee light. This is the way faith always has to be. This is the way faith always works. God is the extension of your effort. He always works at the extremity of your ability. It's after you have done all to stand that you're going to be able to stand. That's right. It's after you've given all you can give that he comes to the rescue and gives you the strength to go on. You say, but I can't take one more step. There's not one more thing I can do. It is at the utter extremity, the last ounce of effort. It is the, the final stage of your existence that the Lord comes to take over the situation and to give you strength to go on. This is not any more paradoxical than for Jesus to tell a man who has been lying there for 30 and 8 years, take up thy bed and walk. Because the man was lame. Isn't that right? God always challenges our willingness before he gives us the ultimate blessing. And we need to know this. There isn't in this earthly sphere a wise man who is going to hire some, someone or put them in his staff before he first tests their abilities, their energies, their spirit and attitude. You just don't go down and get a job because you want it. You have to be interviewed. You're going to have to show good reason why you uh, should be the recipient of this uh, occupational uh, position. You can't just walk in there and say, I want that job. That job belongs to me because that's what I want to do. You have to show that you're able to do that job. You have to show that you have the capability, that you have the desire, that you have the expertise and skill to be able to perform those duties that that job requires. And so it is in the spirit. We are not going to get anything from God until we are first tested. We're not going to be gold until we've been to the fire. We are not going to be silver until we've been in the furnace. It is just a law of God and a law of life that you do not receive the best things from God until first you prove that you want them more than anything else in the world. That's why the scripture says, They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. He doesn't just fill any old available vessel with his glorious golden liquid spirit. He doesn't just pour in any old can the glory of God. That's right. That's why repentance comes before baptism and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because that vessel must be cleansed. That house needs to be swept and garnished. The Bible shows us an inside picture of that when it said, When the evil spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh in dry places. Now he comes back and he finds that house swept and garnished. That doesn't mean he's just got the dust out of it, but it means it's been waxed and shined as well. That's what repentance and the casting out of evil spirits should do. It shouldn't just get the devil out and the dust out. It ought to shine the furniture too. Hallelujah! And when all of that repentance 
goes beforehand, then you create the spiritual vacuum, an area into which the presence and blessing of God may flow. Some folks are always trying to pour the goodness of God on top of all of their carnality, always trying to put the blessings of God on top of their own desires and ambitions. They want God, and they show good desire for God, but they don't show good room for God. They're all saying along with us, we really want something from the Lord. We really are hungry. But I preached to you the other day, and this is a living law of truth and renewing, that before we can receive something from God, there must first be some refuse in our life. We have to empty the garbage cans, sweep the closets out. Everybody say hallelujah. We need a good spring house cleaning. If you're going to get, if you're going to get something from God, you need a good house cleaning. Hallelujah. God wants to see good faith in you. Let's all say good faith. That's why he requires you to get up before you're alive. You say, I can't do that. This scripture is really excellently showing the extreme demeanor of God toward man, that he is going to, even in the toughest, most difficult situations, require of you an effort. Nobody's going to find God who doesn't want God. All the reports about going to the meeting, I don't want to go down there, something will jump on me. You know, the old tent meetings, they didn't want to used to go to the tent meetings because they were afraid that they'd, that Holy Ghost would fall on them and they didn't want it. You can forget that. I wish it would fall on everybody, whether they wanted it or not, but it won't do that. It won't do that because God is first going to say, get up and I'll give you light. Get up and I'll give you light. Get up, and I'll give you light. Let's all say, get up. Get up, and I'll give you light. Now, if you want something from God, get up. Don't sit around and wait on God. Get up. Some folks never do get into an attitude of progressive spirituality. They're always waiting for God to pour it on them. I want to tell you that you dig out the trench into which the, cha the Spirit of God will be channeled. You dig it out with your own nails and with your teeth. You dig it out with lonely prayer and travail. You hollow it out with your own honest, sincere application of self-denial and self-analysis. Anybody who is unwilling to take a good look into his heart and see the worms and the scum and the muck and the mire and the manure in his heart is not fit for a renewing of the Holy Ghost. There has to be a shedding of the hide, a throwing off of self. There has to be an earnest effort before light really comes. God has always turned it around. We always want something to happen, then we get up. This is what the church world has based their entire philosophy on. They have the premise for receiving from God absolutely backward. Show me a sign and I'll believe. That's what everybody wanted Jesus to do. Show us a sign. Come down from the cross. And we will believe. And that's what the social world has done. They've got him without death and without burial and without resurrection. They've got him without Calvary. They've got him without redemption. They love him in a social way. And they do love him. They love him the best they know how. But they love him without the death, burial, and resurrection. They're still saying, come down from the cross and we will believe. We see what you've done. We believe. We know what you can do. We believe. We know you're God. We believe. That's not what he came to do. If that's all he came to do, then he should have taken advantage of the multitudes on the hillside. He should have proclaimed himself king in the streets of Jerusalem. 
when he came riding in in the triumphal entry, he should have then accepted their hosannas and tilted his head for the crown. But that isn't all he came to do. Hallelujah. He came to die. Praise God. Come down from the cross and we will believe. Backward. That's all backwards. It's all backwards. What he wanted to do was he wanted them to believe after he was dead. And all of our faith, if we ever reach God, will be after death. His death, burial, and resurrection makes all of our faith possible. The Apostle Paul said in the 15th chapter of Corinthians that if Christ be not risen, then is our faith vain. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then it's all vain to have faith. Is that right? In other words, there had to be a death, burial, and resurrection to establish our faith on. Hallelujah. And the whole premise for Christian understanding is based on the fact that we have the life that we have after he died for us. Not before he died, but after he died. After the crisis. After the crisis, after the problem, after the severity, after the loneliness. And that's where we're always going to get something from God. Resurrection always follows death. It should have been life, 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 life. But it wasn't. It was life, death, life. Because I live, you shall live also does not mean because he was born in a manger and lived. But it was because he died and lived again. That's what he said in Revelation. Behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys to death and to hell. Hallelujah. You believe that? And so the command to arise, awake from sleep, arise from the dead, no matter how dead your situation seems, how absolutely immobile you may be, how far you seem to be from spiritual activity, there has to be something in your heart that shows good faith before light comes. Hallelujah. You believe so? These signs shall, these signs shall, these signs shall follow them that believe. We could all believe a lot better. Say, well, my faith will be a lot more if I can see that tumor go. But what faith says is that that tumor will go. You just get up and believe God. Say, well, I could feel a lot better if my eyes were clear now. Brother Hamby, I've still got problems. The thing you need to believe is that God is going to heal those eyes now. You say, well, i got something wrong right here. i got a little bump in my eye. I don't know. I may have to have this or that. Don't tell me what you may have to have. Just tell me that you believe in that dead situation, in that absolutely lonely situation. Tell me that you believe that God is going to take care of you. Not that he can, but that he's going to. Not that he could, but that he will. Hallelujah! Without intervention or without help from somewhere else, God is able to take care of it and is going to take care of it. And you're in the hands of God. It's going to be all right. Sometimes you have to say that with a smell of cancer in your nose. Sometimes you say that when your eyes can't even see the first pew. Sometimes you say that when you've got pain in your kidneys and your liver is turning your face green. Hallelujah! You say, I'm in a dying situation. That's a good time to get up and say, God is going to give me life. Hallelujah. And that's the good faith that puts God to work on your case. 
That's the thing that gets God out of somebody else's workshop and takes him off somebody else's job and brings him right down to where you are and says, now what is it you want? Faith rings his bell every time. Hallelujah. Seems stupid to tell a lame man to rise up and carry a bed. Why don't we get up and test it first? He said it all in the same breath. Take up thy bed first and walk. He didn't say get up and walk and then get your bed. He said take up thy bed and walk. Hallelujah. Arise from the dead. That's just like rising from the dead. Here's a man that's been there 38 years. He can't move. And you say take up your bed. How are you going to take up your bed when you can't even walk? He said take up thy bed and walk. Arise from the dead and Christ will give thee life. Hallelujah. You want some life today? You want something from God today? Then get up from the dead. Get up from the dead. You said, but dead man can't get up. Yes, he can too. Don't you ever forget it. Dead men can get up. Hallelujah. You say, how can you be sure? Because he became the first fruits of them that slept. The dead man got up. And that power in that resurrection is the power that charges all the faith of the Christian church. And with great power gave the apostles witness of his resurrection. It was the glorious testimony of the church that the dead had risen and was giving life. Hallelujah. Shall we stand together, please? Number one, open your mind. Awake thou that sleepest. Hallelujah. And then whatever the degree of the deadness of your situation and the absolute impossibility of your conquering its crises, you need to at that point say, I am going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going through. Say, but man, you're in bad shape. I will not be turned back. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can hinder me. Nothing can keep me down. There is nothing that can detour me from receiving the spiritual things I need to receive from God. Hallelujah. Say, what am I going to do? Start throwing the trash out of your heart. Praise God. Open the window and start airing the place out. Praise God. Take a big deep breath of Holy Ghost air and say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.